What's up, everyone? You are listening or watching the 10 After 7 podcast, episode four, with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. I want to thank you for tuning in. It's been one hell of a week around here. We got the number 42 Jackie Robinson jersey hung up behind me. I got my Jackie Robinson jersey on. Every April 15th, such an important day in American history, and we continue to celebrate Jackie Robinson, who on that day, 73 years ago, broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. Hell of an athlete, an even more courageous man, and it's one of my favorite days to visit the stadium, and it's unfortunate we don't have baseball right now, but I'll tell you why at the end of this podcast, why Major League Baseball hit it out of the park. Them having everyone wear that 42 on the back of their uniform on April 15th, starting in 2009 and going forward, was probably the best way you can honor anyone. And they did it right. No sport has ever done anything better, in my opinion. We're also feeling good. You know why? I feel like I say that a lot. You know why? Because I finished my third book. Like you guys care. Third book this year. You know how many books I've probably read over the last five years? Three. And it feels good. It's rewarding to finish that thing. It's one of my favorite books, Play Their Hearts Out by George Dorman. I don't know what I'm going to read next. I'm behind. I should be halfway into my fourth book right now. But there's nothing better than finishing a book, finishing a workout, finishing any kind of work, whether that's grocery shopping, uh, laundry. It just feels damn good. So we're going to crush this podcast today. I decided I'm going to talk about kind of every sport, go down the line, try to find something positive. And we do have some positive news. I'll start by saying we're going to get sports back in June. The PGA Tour, a couple weeks ago, they told us when the Masters is going to be, a couple big tournaments. Well, this week they laid it out. They told us June 11th in Foxworth, Texas, the first PGA event will be played. And golf, quite honestly, a lot of people think it could be played right now and on TV. Because social distancing, think about it. The players use their own clubs, use their own balls. It's usually about three or four people there, caddy, two golfers. Another caddy. It makes sense. And I'm fired up. I'll take anything at this point. So the Charles Schwab Invitational, I believe it's called, June 11th. They're not 100% certain, but it looks like it's going to happen. College football, next up. This is a little bit more complicated. The NCAA, we know the greedy bastards that they are. I just watched the scheme on HBO. Please watch that. You don't know why these schools and the NCAA are just looking for the next payday and they're upset. The NCAA is upset right now. And I'm happy about it. They lost the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we're all mad as a, as a whole. It's one of the best sporting events of the year. But if the NCAA is taking a loss, I'm rooting for it. So college football, you had Mike Gundy, the head coach of Oklahoma State last week have some absurd comments about how they need to get back as soon as possible. As soon as possible, so the state of Oklahoma can make their money. Yeah, those players for Oklahoma State, they don't make a single dollar, but they need to get back in the middle of a pandemic. Mike Gundy, check yourself. NCAA, 
If you're pushing for college football to happen in the fall, good luck. Because try pushing these kids to come back on campus when you're trying to practice in what, July? They start kicking into gear. End of August, the season starts. Try pushing those kids to go to practice, not making any money whatsoever, while your campuses are closed. Try convincing them it's important for them to get back while online classes are happening and most conferences have suspended classes indefinitely. But there's a positive. There's talk about college football happening in the spring. How long have we been hoping for a spring football league? The XFL, unfortunately, filed for bankruptcy last week. They don't plan on coming back in 2021. The AAF failed miserably. College football in the spring will be the dream that we have been waiting for. Can you imagine Alabama LSU in April? Well, you got baseball and NBA happening. You got the NCAA tournament next year in March. And college football on Saturday? I mean, call me greedy, but college football in spring, count me in. That's a dream come true. I know it's not the greatest circumstances. Not good at all. We would love for it to come back in the fall. Of course. And the NCAA is going to push for that to happen. But you know what, NCAA? Screw yourself. These kids don't get paid anything. And you just sit back and you're losing money. And I'm happy about it. And if they try to get these kids to come on campus, I think it's going to be a joke. It's an absolute joke if they try to push these athletes to play their fall sports while all the rest of the students on those universities are taking online classes. NCAA, fuck yourself. That was a little inappropriate. What do we have in the NFL? This one... Christian McCaffrey got paid, ladies and gentlemen. Running back of the Carolina Panthers. $64 million through the year of 2025. $16.5 million annually. And it sparked a debate. The debate that we've been having for the last, what, five years now? Do running backs deserve to get paid? Should you pay a running back? The longevity isn't there anymore. And look at the last two that got paid. David Johnson and Todd Gurley. How are they doing right now? David Johnson traded two weeks ago. Todd Gurley cut two weeks ago. After big paydays, a year, a year after their big paydays, they were let go. I don't have a problem with paying a running back. If you have no one else to pay, then pay your guy. And Christian McCaffrey is the Carolina Panthers guy. The direction of that team right now People say it's a full rebuild. I wouldn't go that far. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, who's capable of winning football games. Filled in for Drew Brees last year when he got hurt, won five games. And he's the most versatile back in football right now. He played the Rams, and I mean, I don't watch every Carolina Panther game, but when he played the Rams, he was absolutely the best player on the field. And if that's the guy getting paid, I'm not going to argue against it. 
And a lot of these teams will pay their running backs. I was the one guy that's probably still to this day said Saquon Barkley should get drafted by the Giants, two overall. Yeah, they could have went after a quarterback, Sam Darnold, that year. It's not a loss yet. Running backs deserve to get paid when they get paid. What does that mean? If you're a team that doesn't have a quarterback or doesn't have to pay your quarterback yet, Ezekiel Elliott got paid a couple years ago. But now the Dallas Cowboys are in a situation where they have to either pay Dak Prescott or let him walk. But they paid Elliott at that time because they didn't have to pay their QB. Money's got to go somewhere. And Christian McCaffrey deserves probably every single dollar. I'm never going to argue against someone getting paid because these billionaire owners, those are the greediest guys right there. Side by side with the NCAA. Good for Christian McCaffrey. Who's going to be the next guy up? Take your pick. Derrick Henry got franchise tagged by the Titans. So they thought otherwise about paying him. Alvin Kamara, third round pick from the Saints. His payday might be coming up. Dalvin Cook has injury in his past. Joe Mixon, troubled past. And Chris Carson for the Seahawks. Listen, if you could get a cheap running back, I know you could just plug one in. But tell me right now, who are you plugging in that's going to be more valuable than Christian McCaffrey? All pro running back. No one's catching more balls out of the backfield. Think about how much of that offense runs through McCaffrey. And now you got a capable quarterback. Last year, the guy had his best career season with Kyle Allen under center. Now him and Teddy, I don't know if it's a free, uh, full rebuild in Carolina. I'll tell you it's a tough division. Drew Brees coming back. Tampa Bay's got Tom Brady. The Falcons are the Falcons. Carolina needs a face. And if Christian McCaffrey's that guy, I don't care if he's a running back or not, you better pay him. I'm still on the running back train. It's still my favorite position. Creating a player in Madden, always a running back. Created a player in NCAA, always a running back. You know why? Because you got the ball. You got the ball. Anyways, what's our next sport? Major League Baseball. I hit a low point yesterday. I watched Gavin Lux, Dodger second baseman, play Fernando Tatis Jr. in MLB The Show on Twitch. That's what I did. That was before I watched Miracle. After I watched a Dodger game from 2009 when Kershaw was on the mound pitching on Jackie Robinson Day. So MLB, we don't really know what's going on there. We heard about their absurd plan. I talked about it last week about possibly putting all 30 teams in Arizona. Not much else news on that. Ken Rosenthal about two hours ago wrote an article on The Athletic about the MLB, another obstacle they would have to face if they decide to put 30 MLB teams in Arizona, is having these players take pay cuts. And good luck with that if these players are going to be quarantined away from their families for four months. I would not want to take a pay cut if I was an MLB player. No chance in hell when I'm putting myself at risk and leaving my family behind. No shot. And the NBA. NBA news? 
I talked about it last podcast, the 10-part docuseries, The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls' last run at an NBA championship. Michael Jordan this morning went on Good Morning America, had an interview with Robin Roberts to talk about it a little bit. Day before, there was a quote out there that he said, I'm going to come out of this thing looking like a jerk. If, Michael, if you think Michael Jordan is an asshole at the end of this documentary for the way he treated teammates at the height of his career, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't have a competitive bone in your body. Seriously, the fact that Jordan has to come out and kind of get in front of it is absurd. He's the Babe Ruth of basketball. We know he's the GOAT. There is a debate out there, but after we watch this thing, I think that debate might be pushed back a little. Not many people are going to try to touch it. So if you're one of those people that are going to think Michael Jordan's an asshole, take a walk. Take a walk. I think we covered all four sports right there. Some positive. I think we tried to spin it positive. I want a Christian McCaffrey to get paid. I do want college football to be in the spring. So the NCAA gets a big FU. And we get another phenomenal, our favorite sport in the spring. PGA giving us a tournament. And here we go. Okay. We got the memes going around. We got pick your three, pick your quarantine team that you want to live with. I got tagged on Facebook to name my top five favorite baseball players. Top five challenge. Josh Ferreira attacked me. Thank you. And I actually had to think about it. These are very tough for me. Because I grew up playing Little League Baseball. I loved watching the game, first of all. Loved watching it on TV. I know there's some people, my brother who played it growing up, didn't really like to watch it. Now he does, but he didn't like to watch it growing up. There was a lot of video games, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. You might have played with the Mariners, and one of those players were your favorite team. I know a lot of us know who Jay Buhner is because we played that video game. There was backyard baseball. I remember changing my number strictly from number three to 33 because Larry Walker said he just doubled his number when he started from three to 33. So I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm going to do it. So there was a lot of different players who were my favorite players. So I had to sit down and think about my top five favorite baseball players. Top of that list, number one, Clayton Kershaw. Absolutely, hands down, will always be my favorite baseball player. And I put, simply, I've never had more enjoyment in watching a career from the very start. Kershaw was that guy for me. When I was so locked into baseball, I remember where I was when he got called up in 2008. I was in a cabin in Big Bear with two of my buddies, and it was big news when Clayton Kershaw got called up. First career strikeout, Skip Schumacher, who was later his teammate. Fun fact. Number two on my list, Babe Ruth. It was the first player my dad ever told me about. I knew he wore number three. And so in T-ball, that was my first number. For the first five years, probably five, six years of my baseball career, short-lived, I wore number three because of Babe Ruth. Number three, this is a big one. When you think about your favorite baseball players, it's so important, especially for people who grew up in the steroid era, because you're kind of conflicted. Dang, I really rooted for that guy because he hit 60-something home runs, and he was doing it all with performance-enhancing drugs. 
But at the end of the day, who knows if you would even liked baseball? My friend Kyle Slowey brought this up to me one time. I didn't even think about it. Who knows if you would actually love the game if it weren't for these guys, even if they were inflated? I'm convinced I would love baseball regardless of the era I grew up in. But number three on my list was Sammy Sosa. He just had a flair to him. When he hit home runs, he did his little hop. He did his peace sign every time he hit a home run. I don't know how to do it. I was a botch. I tried. Number four, Tony Gwynn. Had the privilege of taking a picture with him when my brother had a passing league up at San Diego State. He was the coach. And I'll forever cherish that picture. There's a YouTube video with him and Ted Williams talking about hitting. 20 minutes of it. Watch it. And you'll realize how good and how in to hitting Tony Gwynn was. He might be the best hitter to ever live. Straight up. And number five on my list, I'm still kind of upset that I had to make this list because I left Ken Griffey Jr. off and I said that was my brother's guy. My brother was hit from the left side, threw from the left side. Griffey was his guy. I was the Sosa guy. But number five on my list was Manny Ramirez. If you know me as a Dodger fan, yes, I know absolutely that Manny Ramirez was taking performance-enhancing drugs. But that short stint he had with the Dodgers, I've never been more mesmerized about a baseball player. He was so good. I felt like every time up to bat, the ball was either leaving the yard or it was in the gap for a double. Every time he came up, I was never more confident in rooting for a player than when Manny Ramirez came to the plate. To this day, haven't seen a baseball player, Mike Trout. I'll say that, Mike Trout. But Manny Ramirez, 08-09, get out of here. I think he hit 380 in the second half of the 08 season to bring the Dodgers all the way to the NLCS. So good. And his swing, I mean, I can watch replays over and over of him in the Dodger uniform hitting home runs. I was at the game when he came in to pinch hit, when he had a hurt wrist that night. First pitch, gone, grand slam. One of the loudest experiences I've ever had at Dodger Stadium. So there's my top five. Thank you, Josh, for tagging me. I wanted to get that out of the way. I had to think about it. And had to probably think pretty hard about it. Uh, lastly, Jackie Robinson, a couple fun facts that you probably need to know. Major League Baseball decided to retire his jersey altogether in 1997. In 2009 is when they made it Jackie Robinson Day, and on April 15th, every single player in Major League Baseball would wear number 42 on their back. I mentioned at the beginning why that's so important. It's so important because if you're watching on TV that day, if you're at the stadium, the question will always be raised. Always. It doesn't matter if you're there to watch the game, if you're passing by a TV at a bar and a game's on. The first thing you will notice and ask the question is, why is everyone wearing number 42? And that right there triggers the conversation to why, how important Jackie Robinson is to American history. I'll be at a baseball game on Jackie Robinson Day. I mentioned I've been to a lot of them. And there's dads passing on the stories to their kids, grandchildren getting past the story from their grandparents. The question will always be asked, why is everyone wearing 42? The backstory, of course, Pee Wee Reese said, why don't tomorrow, why don't we all wear 42? They won't tell us apart. One of the coolest freaking things ever said. 
And that's why Major League Baseball crushed it. It's always going to be the topic of discussion. Someone could be watching baseball for the first time on April 15th with everyone wearing the 42 on their back. And the question will be asked, why do they they all wear number 42? And it reminded me of a moment. Dan Patrick, my guy, Sports Talk Radio in the morning, he had an idea when Pat Tillman passed away and the NFL was coming up with ways to honor him. And ironically, he wore number 42 as well. And Dan Patrick wanted to tell the NFL, he might have told someone, he definitely mentioned it on the radio, that how cool it would be if the NFL on every NFL stadium had a marker for the 42-yard line. Every stadium. It goes 30, 40, 42, 50, 40, 30. The 42-yard line would always be marked. Why? Because every single person that goes into a stadium would ask the question, why is number 42 marked? And then you go into the story of who Pat Tillman was. And that's what baseball gives you every, every April 15th. The question will be asked, why is everyone wearing number 42? So I got my jersey on, got it at a giveaway in 2018. Cool day. Went to a game by myself. First time I ever went to a game by myself was in 2009. The Dodgers were playing, uh, actually, scratch that. I think it was 2012. First time I ever went to a game by myself. It was a Sunday afternoon. D. Gordon walked it off. Had his socks up high to honor Jackie Robinson. Uh, in that game, there was a triple play. Never thought I would go to a game with a triple play, and it was the most... It wasn't even cool to be there because no one knew what was going on. Bud Black even got ejected because he didn't think it should be a triple play. Uh, another Jackie Robinson game I went to, uh, me and my brother went to the unveiling of the statue. The first statue at Dodger Stadium. Got a replica of that. And that statue at Dodger Stadium. Go see it. It's freaking... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's the first of many that's going to be there. Next, we don't know. But I want to thank you all for listening to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. You could follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on my Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. Leave a comment, like, let me know what you want me to talk about on the next episode. Thank you for listening once again. Woo! Go Dodgers. Thank you.